Hello listeners, this is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football365. And you're listening, smartly, to At, At The, the Bridge, Bridge Pod, Pod, a Chelsea, Chelsea FC podcast. podcast, although I would describe it as THE Chelsea FC Podcast. What's up everyone, you're listening to At The Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast, your number one source for all things Chelsea. It's game review time, Aston Villa, we were away on Boxing Day and Romelu Lukaku and Jorginho, they put Villa to the sword and we're going to break it down with you next. Welcome back everyone to another episode of At The Bridge Pod, I'm your host Mikey and first of all, I hope you all listeners had an amazing Christmas Day and Boxing Day. It's now the time of year to enter that final week where you just sort of float, you exist because you're not going to remember what day it is. Uh, tonight, I'm just joined by Chris because Berth clearly forgot what day of the week it is now. He's 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 uh, he's busy doing uh, his own personal stuff, which is not a problem. Um, we've got Chris and myself here to steer the ship. So how are you doing, my friend? I'm all right. Um, it is weird, isn't it, this week? It's like it's the only week of the year where you forget what day it is because you work in dates. Like you say to someone, what day is it? And they go, it's the 28th. And you think, well, yeah, but what day is it? Oh, I don't know, it's the 28th. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 100%. <laughs> so weird. Oh, it's just it's just mad. Even the football's a bit weird because obviously how it fell, it was Sunday was Boxing Day, so it was like normal Super Sunday. Yeah, that's it. At, it was weird having a, a like a tea time game, I guess. But yeah, well, what, what did Chelsea do? Well, Chelsea spent their Boxing Day in the Midlands because someone had to. Um, we took on Aston Villa. And the Doyle's ball in. Lukaku has done it again. It's taken him six minutes to register against Villa here. Aston Villa 1, Chelsea 3. Four lovely goals, all scored by Blues players. A stunning header from Rhys James, sadly into his own net. It was followed by Romelu Lukaku showcasing his pace and strength. And of course, two ice-cold penalties from Jorginho, which gives him the record of most penalties scored in a Premier League calendar year with 10, overtaking Steven Gerrard and Matt Letizio. So, not, not too bad for him to end his year off. Uh, Chris, how did you feel we did as a whole, though? Game uh, of two halves. Old cliched saying uh i thought first half we was terrible and i feared the worst I, to be honest i i thought we was really fortunate to be going in at half time drawing um some really good blocks was the only reason why we didn't concede two or three um that, that seemed a real lack of intensity a real lack of urgency a real lack of sort of enthusiasm for the game first half uh, everyone playing very slow too many touches on the ball bad passes dwelling on the ball when Villa was pressing I thought our pressing as well in the first half was awful I mean Villa they went through us like a hot knife through butter on numerous occasions and if it wasn't for last ditch blocks then we, like I said we could have been three or four down quite easily um, I thought the, the Reese James own goal really summed up our first half. It was everything he, he did was what all the other players was doing. When that first cross come in and it went out the other side, the reason why he scored, ends up scoring an own goal is because he walks out to start with. If he sprints out like he should do to go and close down the second ball, none of that ever happens, but he jogs out. And then when it gets played back, he walks back into a, a bad defensive position. And it's a lazy flick of his head. Um, I mean, I it's, heard it's very things. standard, though, isn't it? I mean, when the ball comes into the box, the defenders just want to get and like their head onto it, or at least something to sort of clear it. But obviously, it can also go completely catastrophically wrong, like it did. Yeah, and 
I just think it was the the almost the laziness before that that, that cost him. I, I haven't got you know when the ball hits your head, if you don't get it if you don't get it right and it does flick off the top of your head, it can go anywhere. He was unfortunate that it went in the goal. Um, but it, it was the laziness before that, the, the the jogging out and then the walking back into position, which really cost him. And I thought that summed up our first half, his first half, because I thought James' first half was awful. Uh, I don't think he did anything right in that first half. Even he even put two crosses out of play under no pressure. He had a really bad first half, as did others. I thought Chalobah really struggled first half. For Ollie Watkins gave him the run around, always two yards off the pace and. I think everyone was the same. Thought the midfield was poor, wasn't closing down the space, wasn't winning second balls. And then, what is pleasing though is I thought a couple of weeks ago when we was when we was having a, the sort of the mini wobble, I thought you could put a lot of blame on on Tuchel and the decisions he was making or not making in games to try and change it. Last couple of weeks, I think he's got he's got back to what he was doing and. He obviously recognised what was going wrong in the first half and he made a change at half-time. And the second half, we were like a different team, second half. Yeah, yeah, the subs, the subs, to be fair, he was spot on for me. I mean, Kovacic and Lukaku, both game changers, clearly. I mean, maybe I've been a little critical, too critical on the subs in recent games, mainly lack of and how long they've taken. But, you know, nine times out of ten, Tuchel makes the correct subs. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I've got to say... The thing about Tuckle, I, mean, I saw some people calling him. There was points calling him uh, his job into question. It's like, come on, come on, behave. Um, what do you think is with his sudden change in touchline demeanour? Because I've noticed a few of the games recently, he's just been quiet and observing. No, it's he, we're used to the animated shouting and obviously confirming with his assistants, uh, getting worked up about calls. He's been really reserved. Uh, I would probably put that down to. I think over the past few weeks, I think he's probably stood there and can't believe what he's seeing. Mm. I think I think that could be a lot of it. Um, I think you get animated when people are making bad decisions. And I don't think that's necessarily what's been going wrong. I don't think our players have been making bad decisions. I think they've just been executing everything poorly. Uh, like I said, simple passes. The choice of pass is right, but they haven't executed the pass. Uh, being a few yards off on a press, not anticipating where the ball is going to go, but reacting to where it's gone. And those things, I think I think it's almost been some disbelief. And I think also, I think he probably got stumped by the lack of options. I think it's easy to get really animated and annoyed at your players when you've got quality on your bench, because you know that if it negatively affects those players, like if he's if he's screaming at Reese James, for example, about positioning or what he's doing with the ball, and it doesn't get the reaction he wants in terms of making James play better, it actually does the opposite, which it can go either way when you do that to a player, and it makes him play worse. He hasn't got the options on the bench to change it. So I think he's almost being a bit more lenient on the players because he knows he hasn't got the option of changing it from the bench. And I think you you almost have to treat the players on the pitch then a little bit differently because you're you're really trying to get a tune out of them and sometimes being kinder in a way is is a way of doing that when you don't have those options from the bench. I mean, we have been hit by injuries really, really hard. I mean, we all yeah. know that. And as well as obviously positive cases have ruled a lot of players out. 
I, it, we all forget the kind of the run of form we. I mean, one thing for me. I mean, we will. We'll probably touch on this on uh, the. It'll be Thursday show because of New Year's Eve. Um, with January, Chilwell. As soon as he got injured against Juventus, that's when our form. I mean, we had the Burnley game, which was a bit of a a blip, but it was after that we took on United. It was one-one. We just about beat Watford, lost to West Ham, drawing against Zenit, just beating Leeds, the Everton draw, Wolves draw. And obviously now we've had Brentford and Villa. You kind of think losing Chilwell when we did was so, so unfortunate. And it has sort of derailed the team a little bit in regards to that form. I feel that's when it sort of the wheels started to come off a little bit. Yeah, I don't think it's helped, though. I mean, firstly, I would say past couple of games, Marcus Alonso has improved. Yeah, not, yeah, that's fair. Probably still not back to what he what he can do in that position, but much better than his first couple of games after Chilwell got injured, where he was just awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think I don't think we would have felt the Chilwell injury as much if Reese James hadn't gone off form at the same time. I think that's been the big key. We've lost our starting left wing back, who was in such good form, but James was in such good form on the other side. Yeah, and since Chilwell has gone out. James's form has really dropped off as well. Yeah, we um, labelled him player of the season so far for good yeah. reason. He was amazing. Yeah, he was. But last few weeks, since Chilwell got injured, I don't think he has been. I think he doesn't look as dangerous offensively. He He's getting caught out a lot defensively uh, and not, not recovering as quick as he was. I think a lot of that, that could be down to needing a rest, if I'm honest, because... He almost looks like when he's running back at the moment, he looks like he's trying to run back and his legs just won't do it. No. Which I does mean, happen when, when you're fatigued. Your mind can tell you to do the right thing, but if your legs can't get you there, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I, I mean, I did chuckle. I've seen the last couple of days that there was reports linking Reese James with a move to Real Madrid and Hazard coming the other way. Uh, the, 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 the source is the sun, so don't worry. if you Any, any no. listeners that are not based in the UK who are still a bit unsure on, obviously, reliability... Their tier is it doesn't exist because they're not the most reliable for anything, if we're honest. So, um, yeah, don't, I wouldn't look into that, you know. Uh, the thing with, I mean, it's quite good. We talked about Pulisic in the previous, you know, episode. I mean, I complained when I saw the lineup and saw Pulisic in a false nine. Look, yeah. look it, it isn't his fault that he's quite frankly useless in that role. You know, he plays on the wing. That's his job. That's, you know, that's his role. I mean, he's fantastic when he does. But when he's in a false nine, to me, he's as useful as a, a knitted condom. <laughs> he really is. But, <laughs> You know, it's, it's just how I sort of see it. I mean, it's a shame because he, he doesn't thrive in that role. And you saw, we all saw how completely different the team were when Romelu Lukaku came on, you know, yeah. and as well, that run to the end of the game was just insane. You know, the penalty was, that was just reward. I mean, you'd have loved him to score, but, you know, you've got to say, if, if we can get Chilwell back earlier than we hope, or we buy a competent left wing back as a backup, I can see the team getting that form and picking up those wins again. And I talk about wing back and we just said about potential. Do we look at in the market? If we don't sign one, which I kind of could see happening, Digne looks possible. And if it's a loan with an option to buy, it, that's a win-win. Again, you know, it is. It's a loan signing. They're not that expensive with these and all that. But maybe Pulisic at left wing back, see how it works out. I mean, it can't be worse than Alonso at times. I don't know what you think on that. Yeah, well, I thought, I thought Pulisic first half as a false nine was absolutely atrocious. And it's not his fault. He's not really suited to that role, but he could do a lot more. Mm. He keeps he 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 stayed playing up against the centre backs. 
no, you're not going to get any joy there. Come off the centre-backs into that pocket of space where they don't know whether to go with you and a midfielder doesn't know whether to pick you up. That's that's the space you should be operating in. And then hopefully you can get on the turn and start running at players and, and trying to open up the game that way. I just thought he was too static. It almost... You can see he's not comfortable there. So he almost doesn't give it his all because he doesn't want to be playing there. But credit to him, I thought he was outstanding at right wing back, especially defensively. I thought he was really good. Um, He cleared one cross at the back post, which would have been dangerous had he not got into a good defensive position to clear it. He gave us a good outlet on that side. We'd still like to see him taking a man on. I still think he's playing too safe, like I said on the last episode. It does seem to be dribble forward a couple of yards and then pass it sideways or backwards. I mean, uh, it doesn't yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You are right. I mean, I looked at his stats. About... Go on, sorry. He doesn't seem confident enough to go past people, mm. uh, which as a wing back, he had the space to and he just never did it. But I thought overall, he he was better there than Reese James was first half. Yeah, I mean, he's played eight games in his career as a centre-forward false nine. And ironically, some of them are actually very good. I mean, he played that role in the Champions League final. <laughs> we won, but that was only for 24 minutes he played that role. So that's hard. Yeah. That's a very small sample. Um, and the game was so open, wasn't yeah. it? At that um, obviously, when we beat Juventus 4-0, he played a good over 70 minutes. Didn't really contribute anything in that. Uh, he did similar in the Super Cup against Villarreal. His only, he did it in the EFL Cup as well for a half, for 45 minutes. He's oddly, I think because of injuries, he's done it in obviously Everton, Wolves, and obviously now Villa. I think that's because of an injury thing. I don't think it's, it's certainly a new role. And obviously, if you, you, you could go, well, the final 24 minutes sort of says that, you know, you're trying to, it's just how the substitutions have worked out. Um, talking of though, the big centre forward. And that big role, obviously, there's only one person who can fill those boots. That's Romelu Lukaku. I I did like how Callum hudson and Lukaku worked together. I feel they complemented each other quite well. My only criticism, I have to look at the good and the bad. I wish hudson Adoy would work on his finishing because it's not great, is it? No. I, do you know what? I think that hudson Adoy chance, it, again, was evidence of what I think I said on the last episode. I think it was the last episode we were talking about our forwards in the box that they always go for the obvious finish. Um, when Kovacic rolls that across to Hudson Odoi, Stevie Wonder could see that he wanted to put it in that far right corner. So the goalkeeper definitely knows where you're going to put it. And I think that's where Hudson Odoi and our other forwards as well have to be cuter than that. If he opens up his body like he did, so he's making it so obvious that he's going to the right corner and then reverses it back into the near post. The keeper still dives the other way, but it ends yeah. in the goal. And I think those are the those are the differences that your Man City players have, your Liverpool players have. Harry Kane, not so much this season, but Harry Kane, when he's on form, is one of the best strikers in the league at that finish. He opens his body up, forces the keeper to dive to his left and then puts it in at the right. Um, I've that's the one thing that our forwards have to work on. They can't be so obvious in the finish because as soon as Kovacic rolled it across, you just knew where, where he was going to put it. And if he doesn't get it perfect, which he didn't, the keeper's always going to make the save because the keeper was already diving that way. So it I mean, had to be an inch-perfect finish to get past him. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 everyone's seen the, probably the tweet by now by Nazar Kinsella 
And he said that Chelsea need to adapt to Lukaku because he still feeds on scraps. One shot, one shot on target and one goal. He wins yeah. a penalty from nothing, wins the most aerial duels for Chelsea in just 45 minutes of action. Yeah, well, I agree. Yeah, definitely. Because the Lukaku, Lukaku was absolutely outstanding when he came on. I don't think I don't think he put a foot wrong. His hold-up play was excellent. Uh, he linked up with the midfield really well. All of his his weight of pass on little return passes was excellent. The header was outstanding. The movement for the header was outstanding. Winning the penalty was incredible. The, the pace and power he showed there. But Hudson Adoy got the ball on the, the left-hand side. He moved it onto his right foot and he put a ball into the box and he put it in early. And Lukaku got across his man and scored. We didn't put a single cross in the box after. Mm. And what I don't understand is Hudson Adoy said after the game about how good a player Lukaku is and we just have to keep getting him the ball in and around the box. Why aren't we doing it then? Yeah. <laughs> like if that's if that's one of the players saying that, why aren't you doing it? I don't understand. That's going to be the question mark on Tuckle's future. Yeah. I think that will be the only. I mean, that's not a before because I know I've seen the tweet where someone said that our podcast is a Tuckle out. That's that's absolute rubbish. Yeah. But that's going to be where the question marks are asked because of the fact that we know what our board are like and we've spent a big amount of money to bring in Lukaku and that's a win now transfer. It's not in and, four years sort of thing. It's win now. We need to, you know, <laughs> work with the system. I think with with Tuckle. I think the difference between winning the league or at least being close to the league in May, so going into the last three or four games of the season, you're still looking at us saying there's a chance we could still win the league. The difference between that and being in a fight for the top four will be whether Tuckle can get the best out of Lukaku. Yes, 100%. If, I, I, yeah. If he, do, if he keeps setting the team up to play a way that doesn't suit Lukaku, we won't be anywhere near the title. He is the difference maker. And the whole team, the whole attack structure should be based around what Lukaku wants. And I think Lukaku is someone who will be bringing this up. I imagine that he's already brought this up behind closed doors because after the game, he was asked about his performance and he said that he needed a performance like that. But then he also went on to say that that's how I like the team to play with me. I can hold it up but I like to use my pace and power and runs in behind. Yeah, so we if, know player power. Saying, exactly. And if he's saying that, and then we keep setting up and we keep trying to use him as someone who just plays with his back to goal, then really, if he doesn't score a goal for the rest of the season, no one can look at him and blame him. Because if he's asking for a completely different style of play and we're choosing to do something different, then there was no point in spending that money on him. And I think that that could be... The axe that Tuckle falls on if he does Yeah, I think that's real. We have to be realistic. It's not, it's nothing about an agenda or Tuckle out, not at all. It's just we have to be both realistic as fans and we also know how our board operate. And it also is seen as we invested the money we did to win now. If yeah. we're not close to winning now, such as basically the title, then the question mark is going to be there. And our board have been proven, rightly so, to be ruthless. I mean, you, when you put in nearly £100 million, you expect success. Whether you feel that that's obtainable straight away or not, it's what's expected. Yeah, and I it's, think... It's what from, it is. And I think from a manager's point of view, if he was given a, a £95 million centre-forward who's got a goal-scoring record that's proven everywhere he's ever been, if you're yeah. given him and you, you set your team up around him and he scores goals or, or, or he doesn't score goals... 
that's because of his own performances, then I think you're blameless. But if you get given a ninety-five million pound striker and use him incorrectly, then that falls on you as a yeah. manager. I mean, I think that's the mistake we've made with so many strikers. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And we've never set the team up around them. But no. there's no doubt now that he is the difference maker in that final third. So all of our other players should be playing to him. Yeah. Um. One final thing, Lukaku said in the interview after he said, "We are the hunters now in this title race. We sit third. We are six points behind City." Well, we're level on points to Liverpool. They've still got a game to play. Arsenal are four, five, five points back. And then the rest of the table is just a complete mess because of games in hand for obviously postponements. What do you think? Are we in this? Are we in the hunt for it? Or do you think it's going to be cities to run away with? Listen, Man City at the minute look unstoppable. Yeah, and I've got to admit. I mean, I'm, yeah, I think City could just do their classic and if, run. And... But if, if come the end of the season, Man City have gone on another run where they're getting 95 points come the end of the season and we finish the season on 87, 86 points. So it looks like we are miles away from, from winning the league, which points-wise we are. But I think that's a good points total. I think 86, 85, 86, 87 points come the end of the season for us. Most years before Liverpool and Man City raised the bar, that, that would win you the league. So... I wouldn't have a problem with that because I think that's massive progress from last year, points-wise. And Man City and Liverpool, they can't keep getting over 90 points, 90 points every season. So you're almost you're almost closing their gap because you're waiting for them to drop off. Uh, so I do think it's City's to lose because of the form that they're in and they're on like a, a nine-game winning run now. And I think last year they went on a 15-game winning run and that won them the league because either side of that run, they wasn't very good. Well, the only but defeat that... in the league has been against Palace. That's the most recent one, which was back in um, October. Obviously, they've lost to Leipzig since, but in the league, yeah. it was against Palace. But last season, like I said, they went on that 15-game winning run. Either side of that, they wasn't very good. But that 15-game winning run won in the league. And that could happen again this year. They could quite easily go and win 15, 16, 17 games in a row. And then that is difficult for anyone to catch. I, I would concentrate now on catching Liverpool first. I think if we can end the season above Liverpool, regardless of what Man City do... That's huge. I think that's a really good season. If we can be the second-best team... If, if Man City end up being un, un, uncatchable mm. and you're the second best team, then that's, that's massive progress. But I, I don't think we're in a position yet where we can stop looking over our shoulder because I think, as stupid as it sounds, I think Spurs, if they win their game, is in hand. Are only they've, three got th- they've got three on us, yeah. So they'd be on, if they were to win, obviously, all three, they'd be on uh, three points behind us, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then you've got Arsenal, who are still there. You've got United, who have got about 17 games in hand because they haven't played since, like, October. Uh, you know, there's still teams that will be looking at us thinking we can catch them. And, I mean, we've injuries again. Yeah. If Silva's going to be injured, we don't know how long for. Kante didn't look fit the entire game. If, if no, I'm he's honest. definitely injured. I mean, Spurs' games in hand, if people wondered, uh, the ones that were postponed were Burnley, Brighton and Leicester. Two of those being away, which is Brighton and Leicester. So... You never know. Form is a weird thing. Yeah. We all know that, especially last season, how form then, can like, change. But Exactly. And like you said, though, if we can get Chilwell back mid-January or the end of January, if we can get the best out of Lukaku, it's a game changer. And we could quite easily go on a 10, 
12 game yeah it's always strange because our expectations get a little warped fairly so because we won the champions league last season but you know it's one of those you didn't we didn't expect it to happen because of how how our season was going we're not the machine that liverpool and city are yet and i don't think it'd be it'd be shocking if we'd if we'd have done what we i mean you could say we'll look at antonio conte he came in and we won the title that season yeah that was that was mad i don't know that was just amazing it doesn't always happen though um We'll know more after the Liverpool and City games. Yeah, and that's coming up soon in January. And Well, yeah, January. Exactly. I think by the end of January, we'll be able to say definitively whether we're still in a title race or not. Because I think if we was to lose both of them, I, I think that's the title race over. Yeah, I uh, agree. I agree, 100%. Especially the City game. I think if we can't take points off City, then and then you are just relying on other teams to do it for you which is going to be tough. Yeah, but on the flip yeah. side of that, if we win both of those games, we could be three points behind City. Mm. So it's it's all a bit up in the air at the minute. I just, I think we have to take it game by game. Yeah, it's the cliche, but it, it's true. Uh, with that though, we, we've come to the end of another episode of At The Bridge Pod. As always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram if you don't already follow us. Just search At, at The Bridge Pod. Um, we're back for the weekly catch-up, probably going to be Thursday, so New Year's Eve Eve. Uh, yeah, because we'll probably be all busy doing New Year's Eve stuff, uh, hopefully. So, yeah, till then, though, listeners, that is us signing off.